Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. This is episode number 27. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Andrew, who is the Regional Safety Manager with J.B. Hunt. And Andrew is joining us today from Dallas, Texas. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Jill. Glad to be with you. Well, Andrew, I think that um, transportation industry, I don't think we've had a guest in the transportation industry yet. So this is this is maybe a first for the podcast. So thanks for agreeing to talk with us. Oh, of course, glad to. I've I've enjoyed listening and uh, and my interactions with Vivid. So you know, being on the the podcast is uh, kind of the next cool step. <laughs> Great. So, Andrew, you didn't just like land in the transportation industry. You found your way um, into safety and transportation through through different means, starting out somewhere else. So. Can you sort of uh, share with the audience your story of what your winding path is to safety? Yeah, it, it, it definitely was a winding path. I um, So growing up, I didn't really have a whole lot of safety in terms of a profession, mm-hmm. um, you know, around me. My, my dad's an electrical engineer on the mm-hmm. software and hardware side okay. and, and an amateur kind of a handyman around the house. So we did a lot of, you know, work and, and wiring or... Uh, yeah. installing a speaker system or things like that did you and have safety... like a did you have a really cool stereo system in your house growing up oh yeah we we <laughs> we installed and actually what one of the skills that i still have to this day is being able to drop and fish cabling to do uh wiring for a house or for surround sound or televisions mm, and, that um, is a talent it, yeah it, and so my dad <laughs> taught me how to do that now the apartments i've lived at don't necessarily like the fact that you know i get into the walls and drop wires <laughs> but i like not having cables right. out on the floor you know um yeah. But safety in that was always like, hey, Andrew, we're going to work on this system without tripping the breaker because I don't want the AC or the lights off. Oh, don't gosh. touch these wires mm-hmm. and, you know, don't touch anything metal. Like, okay, all right, I, I will do those things. Oh, man. And you just, you know, you just mm-hmm. never think about it when right. you're when you're not in, involved in the industry. Because so, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, because you don't mm-hmm. know. And I'm, I'm my dad has made it however many years he had made it at that point and, and was – hadn't had an accident or an incident mm-hmm. and was you know mm-hmm. perfectly healthy and so I trusted him and just kind of went along with it um mm-hmm. and we never did anything really dangerous like th- the most dangerous thing we did was working on household 110 voltage wires without the breaker turned off which can be mm-hmm. dangerous yeah but it it's it wasn't you know we weren't out there uh working on a on a table saw with the guard taken off or, or doing really you know um, what I would call stupid things. We were mm-hmm. just taking chances we probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and got lucky. <laughs> yeah, and got lucky, right. Mm-hmm. And then and then in college, I was I was never in a safety role or anything really. Like the biggest safety thing we did was when I did food safety because I worked a lot in restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of safety. And graduating college, my thought was, I'm going to go into financial advising. I've got a degree in economics and political science, and I'm yeah. going to go help people make money. <laughs> and, huh. and for anyone who remembers what the market was like in the summer of 2010 when I got out of school, Ooh, bad time. Right. Yeah. I, I picked the worst uh, four months to try to make it in in selling stocks and insurance. And so oh. safety came along out of, you know, failing to, to succeed in finance. Yeah. And uh, I got an opportunity to go to a five-star hotel brand in, uh, in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, for what they called a risk management job. And, and what drew me to it wasn't even, I didn't even know safety was a part of it. Yeah. I had done work in college as a door guy. Um, I don't like the term bouncer, but, but 
Yes, yeah. a bouncer right, at, at okay. bars. Mm-hmm. And so I saw, oh, security job. Well, it pays, which finance wasn't paying. You, you needed it. Mm-hmm. I need a job and I can <laughs> yeah. do this. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can chuck people out of out of bars if they're getting unruly. I'm sure I can keep five star hotel guests uh, <laughs> In from getting unruly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I and then I show up and it's a lot more than that. It's security, but it's IT and it's safety. Um, oh. And so I'm thinking, oh, cool. I get to be involved in safety. And I thought at the time that this was like, oh, wow, this is like real safety. And, and looking back, it was uh, quite lax. Yeah, what, it, what, did, what did you think it was when, it, when you heard it was about safety? Kind of what was the first things that popped into your mind then? Yeah, at the time I thought it was going to be a lot of like training, hands-on, working with the employees, maybe helping keep them safe, do some, some incident investigations. Um, mm-hmm. And it really wasn't, um, I mean, it was on the security side. We definitely did all of that. But mm-hmm. on the safety side, you know, if someone had an injury, we basically took a report. If we could give them first aid, we did. And then mm-hmm. uh, if it was beyond that, we made sure they got to wherever they needed to go for proper care and then turned the file over mm-hmm. to HR. And that was... Yeah, so the job was... The job was really more reactive than proactive. It wasn't a prevention. Very work. much so. We had um, we didn't have anything that approximated a, a job safety analysis program or um, really robust training or safety training. Uh, we we would we did some preventative in terms of drills, you know, fire drills, testing our communication sure. and our protocols, life safety right. stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The risk team. We all got first aid and CPR trained. Um, which was good, you know, if, if fortunately I didn't have to use that training much, a uh, little bit of applying a bandage or, you know, helping someone with a, with a sprained wrist or something, but fortunately no CPR mm-hmm. or anything major, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't as you're right. It wasn't proactive. And then, you know, the, the name OSHA would have been just a complete foreign language to anyone at the hotel. Like <laughs> I, I never heard OSHA once right. the entire time I was there. Um, yeah. And so get and it's not that and it's not that the hospitality in industry is devoid of safety because there's definitely risks. Oh yeah, there. for sure. Um and there were things we tried to do the best we could, you know, um clean, mm-hmm. keep facilities clean, housekeeping was a big thing on the safety side of hey, make sure that we've, you know, sure. if you're in the kitchen, make sure that all this stuff is out of the way so that the people walking back and forth with uh, hot food don't spill it all over themselves or get burned things like right. that um it, but it's it's not as robust as it definitely should be for the risks i mean you know you you yeah. talk about you know a department like the housekeeping department and their mm-hmm. exposure to something like bloodborne pathogens and you mm-hmm. know the the complete absence at least that i experienced of a bbp training program mm-hmm. or I, I didn't even know mm-hmm. at the time that the hepatitis B vaccine was mandated to be made available. Right. It just, it, I didn't even know there was a vaccine for hepatitis B at the time. Cause I never had any reason to yeah, know. You, you had a degree in economics <laughs> right. and political science. This was not your no, wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> but I will say I did learn a lot of, you know, how to interact with people and how to, to get people together. We, we struggled with our yeah. injury frequency at that property. Um, we could never get more yeah. than about 20 or 25 days. And so I got to develop um, some of my motivational skills and my incentivizing skills and, and some of the getting mm-hmm. people to, to pull together and pay attention, um, mm-hmm. but hamstrung by having you know a, uh, a safety team, as we could call ourselves, that were really devoid of any real good safety 
education and standards and practices or resources i suppose yeah as for well. sure I mean, yeah, and if, you know, when you talk about the hospitality industry and housekeeping department, you know, and you already mentioned bloodborne pathogens, I think about ergonomics and, you know, the ergonomic stresses of the repetitive work so. of, of cleaning the rooms and the repetitive stress involved in the laundry facility and, um, you know, the things that happen on a loading dock. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you have forklifts moving and you're moving and lifting equipment and the kitchen, you already mentioned that, you know, there's, there's certainly things that, that happen in that industry. My, my, um, one of my very first jobs, first thing I did to earn a paycheck outside of babysitting when I was a teenager was in housekeeping at one of those drive up motels. (laughs) And, um, I was the summer help and the ladies that that usually did the cleaning uh, full time, took one look at me that summer and said, you get the bathrooms all summer so that they could skip it. And this was, you know, this wasn't a, you know, I didn't know what OSHA was either, but again, another industry that devoid of safety. So there wasn't any training on the chemicals that I was using with my bare hands and I wasn't offered any, you know, personal protective equipment. And there was no talk of infectious agents or bloodborne pathogens and, and hopefully that tide is changing for the hospitality industry. It'd be interesting to talk with a safety professional in that industry and, and uh, get a take on what's a modern practice. Yeah, now. and, and I, I would agree. I, I would hope it's it's changed. I would hope that over the years as OSHA has, has stepped up enforcement of a lot of industries that maybe they've they've hit the hospitality industry and, and people realize that it's it's something to take seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing that job, was a kind of a light bulb going on for you that you thought, you know, this safety thing is kind of something? I a like. little bit. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely something I thought, you know, I I don't mind what I'm doing right now, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, for for the job that it was, um, was probably as good as it was going to get. I, w- I was working third shift. So I was working. a mm, I was working. Yeah, hard. I was working a, a mm-hmm. 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um you know, shift dealing mostly with security, but the safety side of it, mm-hmm. I, I got to deal with the overnight crew and, and we were a very limited crew. Um, and so we formed a really good bond. And so I was actually able to get people to, you know, to pay attention to what they were doing and to be, and be a little bit safer than they had been. Yeah. How did you do that? You know, I've, I've always been a, uh, a connector of sorts, being able to connect with people and get people to connect. And, and I'm really good at just getting people to, to, agree to to be a team and and that's all i really Mm -hmm. did was hey guys if you get hurt we have to bring someone from day shift to night shift they don't understand our night shift Mm -hmm. culture they don't understand how night Mm -hmm. shift works they don't understand the dynamic Mm -hmm. and they're probably not going to be as willing to go above and beyond to help each other uh because they're used Mm -hmm. to the day shift where you stay in your lane um as an example on the night shift when i was I was a security, you know, officer most of the time. That's kind of what my my main job was. But there were times where room service would be, you know, in over their heads, and there was only one person on staff. And at one point, the uh, the, the lady who was working room service, I saw her in the hallway, and uh, she tripped and spilled uh, a pitcher of water all over her uniform and herself, and you know, had to go make deliveries. And, and I was like, okay, just refill the pitcher of water. Give me the tray and, and what room we're going to. It won't be the world's best delivery service, but I'll get the food there and, and you can go, you know, change uh-huh. uniforms or, or whatever. And so we would help each other like that. We would, you know, things that were in yeah. our wheelhouse and, and we were a really cohesive team. And so we knew 
hey, if I do something stupid and get hurt and I'm out of work, it's going to hurt everyone else on the night shift. Everyone, yeah. ro- It'll upset it the will, rhythm. It will. And so we, mm-hmm. we kind of just had this communal, look, I'm not going to hurt you by hurting myself. I'm not going to let you mm-hmm. down by not being here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of as far as I got with, with that team. But mm-hmm. it, it was definitely uh, successful. We, we didn't have very mi- yeah. minimal, if any, frequency of, out of the overnight employees. Generally, it was it was daytime stuff that that we that would yeah. you know cause injuries. Huh. What a great yeah. start! What a great start! So, how long were you there, and what so happened next? So, I was there for almost almost two years, year and a half, almost two years, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. I, I got tired of, of night shift and didn't really have any upward mobility at the hotel and and you know i was mm-hmm. i was in a department that didn't tend to pull from the college educated and the upward mobile you know it was kind of a hey you come here you do your thing and and you just stay in this lane um and that's mm-hmm. not what i wanted uh my my wife yeah. and i uh, had gotten married while i was working for the hotel and and she was working in in a um the opto- the optometric industry um you know and, mm-hmm. and as a as an optician and and she really loved her career and that was great, but I, you know, wanted more for what I was doing. And so a, a college friend of mine, uh, was working for JD Hunt and, uh, I'd applied hmm. a couple of times, you know, just over mm-hmm. the, you know, over the two years, of, I think at that point, since I graduated and hadn't really gone anywhere. And, and he finally said, mm-hmm. Hey, I've, I've, I'll go talk to our HR rep, send me your resume, put in an application and, uh, he said, I can only promise that I'll ask her to give you a call and to start the conversation. You, you, it's on you from there. And that's all I really needed. Yeah. yeah all it. I wanted was mm-hmm. a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. that led to me getting an offer to join them as a manager trainee, uh, in the operations side, which, you know, I wanted wow. to, uh, safety was fun and safety was, was something I enjoyed, but I was really interested in a, I've got to make a career change. And I yeah. figured, Hey, they hire into this manager trainee role. It's in operations. I'm, I'm gonna go be an operator. And, uh, yeah, what I found out very quickly, actually day one of our orientation. So <laughs> I, I, I pack up my wife and, and our, our one cat at the time. And, and we <laughs> drive to Dallas from Austin unload and I show uh-huh. up for work. And the first thing I do day one is I get to go sit through driver safety orientation. Um, and okay. I, I sat through, uh, two days of driver orientation with all with the other new manager that was hired the same week and with all of the drivers that were joining the company through Dallas. And then mm-hmm. on day two, they they tell me, okay, tomorrow morning, be prepared for this thing called Smith System. And I'm thinking, okay, what's what's Smith mm-hmm. System? And, and mm-hmm. uh, show up the next morning and it's advanced defensive driving. Um, and they teach us all a class on advanced defensive driving and then put us in cars and make us go out and do these very specific, uh, advanced defensive mm-hmm. driving, uh, technique drives and trained Amazing. us all in Smith system. And then mm-hmm. the, the drivers went off and did things that weren't really relevant for the managers. And they put us through some maintenance, uh, what they call maintenance one Oh one, where we learned about how the trucks have their oil changed and what the maintenance shop runs like. And then the final day Mm -hmm. they put us with an area risk manager and it's a full day of introduction to safety culture, the JB hunt way. Mm. And, you know, we Mm -hmm. watched, uh, we watched training videos. We, there was a PowerPoint and discussions and there were a couple of videos about, Hey, these were some major events and this is what we learned from them. Um, really Mm. impressing the importance of culture and the importance of, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey ops folks, you know, new, 
ops managers and, and managers in training, it's not just that you get to push a button and dispatch a driver. There are real consequences yeah. to having right. an 80,000. The gravity of Yeah, an 80,000 pound mm-hmm. vehicle rolling down the highway. And, mm-hmm. and this light bulb went off like, oh, this is a company that actually cares about safety. Um, they, they care about their people and, and about mm-hmm. doing things the right way. And then, and so in addition to doing the, the training, I would also review what we called safety events. You know, we, we have telematics on our trucks and if, you know, a driver hit the brakes too hard or the, the roll stability in the trucks activated, we would know about it and we'd sit down and have a, a discussion and, and, uh, try to come up with how to change that behavior. You know, was it, was it something the driver, was it something the driver, um, was doing wrong? Was it something the driver didn't know? Was it something the driver just needed a, you know, an attitude adjustment or something of that, uh, that yeah. nature and, and try to keep the drivers safe. Um, and you know, this, it really opened up this whole new idea of, okay, I'm not an operator. I'm, I'm a, I'm a safety guy mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. has operations <laughs> responsibilities because that's really, yeah. you know, how we feel is that safety is owned by the operations and, and to give yeah. kind of a picture, you know, now in my current role, I've got seven risk managers that, that work for me and we have mm-hmm. almost 2000 drivers across four States at own, at over a hundred different, uh, what we call accounts, you know, fleet locations, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the safety manager can't do it all. And, and I learned very quickly that because the safety manager can't do it all and really shouldn't, um, yeah. the operators had to own it. And so, you know, I, I, was, I didn't have a safety title, but for my first four years, I was very embedded in the, the safety and the culture of the individual account locations. Uh, mm-hmm. that I worked at. And I worked at a couple of different ones. I went from the pallet uh, customer that we had to a, a, a water distributor to a restaurant that we used to run for, um, mm-hmm. or we still do, I, excuse me, we still do run for them. And so I mm-hmm. um, I kept promoting up and promoting up. And mm-hmm. in about uh, 2015, so I joined Jamie Hunton in very early 2012. And in uh, the middle of 2015, I... Uh, they opened up a new area risk manager role um, in in Dallas. At the time, there were only four in the region. We were a smaller region. Well, they opened up mm-hmm. a fifth position, uh, and I put my name in the hat because I really enjoyed working with my ARM. My, my ARMs had been mentors to me, yeah. um, and since they had been good mentors, and I kind of liked what I what I heard about the job, you get to travel, you get to see different accounts, you get to mm-hmm. be deeply involved in starting up new operations and mm-hmm. the planning. Uh, I thought I wanted wanted to go at it, and uh, yeah. and so I was fortunate enough to get the job. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, congratulations. Yeah, and and now mm-hmm. I had a real safety role. I was I was focused as a safety person, um, and it, that was a whole different experience. You know, the safety that I knew as a, as an operator was very tactical and very, sure. okay, if, if A happens, you need to figure out if it was root cause B and then you're going to take yeah. action C. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was, it was very you know, procedural, um, mm-hmm. which is what it needed to be for, for the, of course. you know, for the operators in the field. But yeah. as an area risk manager, I, I got a whole bunch of extensive training. There were several weeks of, you know, attend this training course. Uh, one of them is, you know, we go up to Oklahoma City and uh, attend the DOT's Transportation Safety Institute. They have what they call Intro to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations, which is mm-hmm. a week solid of going through 
the code of federal regulations that applies to um, trucking and transportation and really getting expertise in how those interact those regulations work and how to interact with them sure um, and i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that sounds fun and anyone who's not a safety <laughs> professional listening to this would be like what yeah. but really i mean who gets to have that kind of dedicated training you know when i was with osha and i got to go to the osha training institute you know um handfuls of times for like a week of training i mean it's intense but gosh you learn so much so what an awesome opportunity oh 100 percent. yeah it was great now it very dry because it, for of anyone, it's, anyone it's who's regulatory, right? Anyone who's read the CFR knows yeah. that it, it's it's the cure for insomnia, but very informative. <laughs> right. um, they they brought in enforcement officers to teach certain sections, particularly mm-hmm. on the maintenance side. Uh, they brought in a safety director from an oil field company who actually, at one time, helped develop the TSI program, um, mm-hmm. and he talked about logging and regulation, and and mm-hmm. we spent half a day on a very particular part of the logging regulation that I'd say 90% of, of people mess up if, they, if they're if they mm-hmm. not really careful. It's, it's what's called the uh, split sleeper berth provision, and it allows the driver to not take a full break, but to split their break over mm-hmm. a couple of different periods. And mm-hmm. it, it's a very easy one to find yourself afoul of the regulations. And, and so we spent, you know, mm-hmm. they, they knew this, obviously, and they said, you guys are gonna learn yeah. this backwards and forwards so that you are our experts and mm-hmm. got to do that got to go become a smith <laughs> system instructor so yeah. oh cool yeah so three years on three four years on from uh joining jb hunt um uh-huh. and taking my first smith system class and then doing the every three year research that we do mm-hmm. i got to go to their smith systems headquarters in arlington texas <laughs> just down the street and become an instructor which is mm-hmm. a week of advanced defensive driving and more than just that, they taught us uh, a lot of adult education, uh, how to how to te- how to teach adults. How to teach adults, yeah, sure. which is very different mm-hmm. than teaching children. Very different than, is. than teaching college students. It's a it's mm-hmm. a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I got to be an advanced defensive driving instructor, and and had to go through to where I could do this course without notes, mm-hmm. basically, because once you're in the vehicle, it's it's all about what's going on, and you've got to even as an instructor, you've got to be thinking, you know, six or seven steps ahead of what's going yeah. on while still engaging yeah. everyone. And it was, it was a great experience and wow. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and all of that learning got me ready to then start learning how to actually be a safety guy in, in the right. real world. Cause so you, you were getting your, you were getting your baseline at this point. Though. Yeah. And that took mm-hmm. a couple months of getting the baseline. And at this time while I'm yeah. doing the baseline training, I'm also working as a safety, safety professional and working sure. with my accounts. And I got thrown immediately into starting up new business within the first couple of weeks of getting the job. And so I'm mm-hmm. on the fly developing JSAs and, and really understanding the, the mm-hmm. back end of okay so we have this task now how do we figure out how to do it safely and how do we figure out how to do it in the most compliant manner while also making it easy to understand and easy to follow right Um, some of the best ways to learn is is like you're saying doing it on the fly when it's um urgent yes and specific and you have real lives on the line and you you know you have an you have an end goal yeah it was yeah. the first time in my life uh, doing this. We, we started up a customer that required the use of, of Moffets, which are uh, the mounted forklifts. Uh, a, a lot of people have seen them. They just don't know what they are. They're the forklifts that look like they're hanging off the back of a flatbed or a, or yes. a delivery okay. truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Moffett's the most common brand. Um, and we needed to be able to teach this. Well, I had 
never even seen one up close, let alone operated one. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I had to ship myself down to uh, one of our operations in San Antonio that had a uh, an expert trainer there. And, and he put me through all of the training and the re- and the regulatory things I had to know how to do the inspection. And then I had to do some training with him and, and I got my, my, you know, I was internally certified to be an operator and a trainer mm-hmm. to then come back up and train the new drivers at this new hmm. operation. And so, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going through all the training with them thinking, okay, like I know, I know what I'm doing, but you know, this guy just told me he's run, he's run this equipment before at another company for a couple of years. And, here I am. I just learned about it last week, <laughs> and now I'm the guy who has to do the How class. How green that feels! Oh right? yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But it started a it started a, a habit of mine where I I have become the specialized equipment kind of guy in our region, the guru, for lack of a better word. So when I was an area risk manager, I would mm-hmm. always leap at the opportunity. Hey, we got some new specialized. I want to learn it, and then when uh-huh. we get together as a team for our next quarterly meeting, I want to do the specialized training. And and my boss. Mm-hmm. Had to pull, had to pull back on the reins a little bit and say, okay, you can't always be the one to teach, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> you let, loved it. yes, but I'm yes. gonna let you be uh-huh. my specialized equipment guy, and I would just, I learned everything uh, that oh, I could. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah, and so, that's so fun. And so, the, so go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking about, you know, when, what your evolution has been like from the hospitality industry, which was lack, and then you, you come to your first days at JB Hunt where you're hearing the importance that they place on safety. Mm-hmm. You go through this pretty massive sounding orientation, which is fantastic, where you're really getting, as a, as a new operations person, um, I don't, uh, the right word might not be indoctrinated, uh, but you're really learning like what the expectation is for safety, for the culture and the organization. And when you were taking that in, I'm curious if you can kind of pull yourself back to that time, you know, your voice started to get excited. You were excited and animated at that time. Did you think, oh man, what a relief. I landed in the right place, though it might not have been exactly the right fit for the job at that time. Yeah, I I definitely thought I landed in the right place. And mm-hmm. the fact that they cared that much about the line employees, the drivers, and they cared yeah. enough about the managers to give us the training to mm-hmm. understand the expectations. Um, it, you know, it... it it really made it feel like a, a family and that's the atmosphere that I've always had yeah. working for JB Hunt is we may be this very large fortune 500 transportation company, but it feels very familial. You know, yeah. I, I have a good relationship with all of my employees. I, I used to say I knew everyone in the region and we've just grown so much that I tell people, uh, you know, I'm naturally not good with names and, and, mm-hmm. and remembering people, but if I see you enough and I shake your hand and we talk, I'll remember you eventually. And mm-hmm. I, I try to remember mm-hmm. as many as I can. But, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you've grown like mm-hmm. we've grown over the last, you know, yeah. seven years, it's it's hard to know everyone. But I try. I still try. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And then when you landed in the job in 2015 as the risk manager role, did you feel like you came home like, oh, this is what I've been this is what I've been preparing for all these years? Yes, I did. I, I really did mm-hmm. feel like it was a homecoming of sorts, like. Yeah. I didn't know it was home. Um, I didn't know it was it, it was what I was looking for. But when I got into it, I was like, "Yes, this is what I enjoy doing," because it's yeah. a it's a very problem solving um, application, you know. So, like I said, mm-hmm. it, the operators own the tactics and own the ground level of safety. Um, right. But as a area risk manager, it was my job to help with the strategy and to help them uh, understand where they needed to go, understand. 
you know, hey, you're having this issue, so this is how we strategically plan yeah. around it and train around mm -hmm. it. And then a lot of special projects, you know, the startups, the specialized equipment training, when customers come along and say, hey, we've got this brand new thing we need you to do for us. Um, can you make it happen? And, and they look to the safety guy and go, okay, safety guy, how do we do this safely? Because none of uh -huh. us have ever seen it before. And, right, and right. getting to be that that relied on resource really was, was what I loved about uh, the role, was that you know right. I became this guy that my, my ops leadership, our region ops managers would call on. You know, uh, I was assigned to two of them. And when they had big deal projects, they'd call on me. Uh, like, so we've got a customer or a group of customers uh, in the oil field, in the, the oil and gas industry. And so when I got into this role, I had to go become a, uh, a, a trainer for uh, our mobile cranes um, mm -hmm. which we use. And then I had to go take uh, Safeland, which is the, the training orientation that allows you to go onto a rig site. And if you don't have this card, they literally tell you, well, that's nice, but sit on the other side of the street. You're not allowed here. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, then I had to do hydrogen sulfide training as an instructor mm -hmm. for both mm -hmm. Safeland and hydrogen sulfide uh, safety training and had to be up to date on all of that. And it you know allowed me uh, a lot of cool experiences, one of which was kind of really building our company's hydrogen sulfide protocols and, and response mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. plan because we had just gotten into this industry. Um, and then I come along and I get my, my training and I realize, hey, guys, let's let's put this all together. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the cool the coolest thing I got to develop was our customer came to us and said, OK, you normally haul these oversized tank size tanks. That's nice. We would like you to haul the largest tank we make, which is a tank that's uh, almost 22 feet across width-wise and mm -hmm. is oversized in every dimension. It is the supreme of oversized that we do. Now, it's not <laughs> the biggest thing that's ever moved down the highway, but for J.B. Hunt, it was the biggest thing we'd ever uh -huh. carried at the time. And so I got to develop, okay, how are we going to secure this load properly? How, mm -hmm. And not just properly, how are we going to do it in a way that doesn't damage the product? Because the customer, what had right. happened, they had a specialized carrier for these who got in a lot of trouble for damaging the product because of how they mm -hmm. secured it using the chains. Mm -hmm. And so I mm -hmm. had to develop a method that would secure the product, meet all of the regulations for load securement, but wouldn't mark the, mark up the paint and wouldn't damage the flanges mm -hmm. and anything else. Mm -hmm. And then how are we going to handle this going down the road? Um, right. And that was a project. I mean, these are, go ahead. Yeah. These are all the things that, you know, people don't think about. Well, I mean, I do because I'm a nerd that way. And many of us listening to this do because we're nerds in that way. But when I'm going down the highway and I'm coming up behind or next to a semi that's hauling a load that's secured, I'm looking at that load and how it's secured. I'm looking at its straps. I'm looking at its chains. And my naked eye, of course, can't see whether it's right or wrong because I haven't had the specialized training that you have. But I always think about A... Did the person that secured that have proper training mm -hmm. <laughs> and be what a big responsibility that is oh, yeah. for not only, not only the product, like you're saying, and of course the safety of, of your employees who are hauling it, but everybody else on the roadway. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a big deal. And so, well, thanks for doing that training with everyone. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> and becoming a special, a specialist in that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, and, and you said people don't really think about it and, you know, you're right. I know I didn't think about it until I got into the role. Like I, I never considered what it took to secure a product on a flatbed or have equipment in the right condition. And, and now, um, 
if my wife is driving and we're on the road and we pass an 18 wheeler, I'm, you know, leaning, almost leaning out the window and, and watching the equipment and taking notes. And is that strap right. the right way around? And did it go through the rub rail the right way? And, uh-huh. oh, hey, look at those chains. And, and my wife will just put the, the pedal down and get past the truck. So I'll stop talking about it. But, <laughs> this sounds very familiar yeah, to my life when I, I'm naming types of cranes on the horizon or types of scaffolds. And like, you know, my, my son will say to me, mom, please. Yes. <laughs> you know, please. Yep. But your eyes can't help it. Once you see these things, you can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Safety is not a job that you can turn off. I, I don't get no. to clock out. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I just am a safety guy. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, but it, you know, it was that role um, for the time that I was in it was one of the most rewarding things I think I've done so far in my career because I got yeah. to develop these relationships and then see the results. You know, I would have drivers that would come up to me and say, "Hey, thank you for for showing us this," or I'd have a driver call me and say, "Hey, you know, Andrew, I've got this problem. I don't know how to solve it." And neither does my manager because we've never come across this, but mm-hmm. I need an answer. What do I do? And and yeah. being that, that resource and knowing that I've done a good enough job that the people that I work with trust me um, yeah. was really confidence inspiring. And it told me I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. as, as careers will, you know, will, will do, um, I had an opportunity come up to me. I'd actually pushed this opportunity away a couple of times internally. You know, they, they, they had offered, not offered me this role so much as they had said, hey, would you consider this role? And I'd said, well, no, it's out, it's permanently based in West Texas. And at this time, I'm still based in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to go out there. And, and I have no problem traveling and visiting, but I don't want to live out there. And they came back around and, and you know, our, our director of operations and one of the regional ops managers, they, they kind of sat me down and said, hey, um, we're going to ask, but we really need you to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I had the opportunity to go uh, move back into operations and head up uh, one of our accounts um, out there delivering to a retail customer. Um, and we kind of went through a, a management transition uh, for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. The management team, by the time I got there as the, as the general manager, was, a, uh, was all new. We'd, we'd, we'd changed that over and, and there was a need for some kind of grounding and you know, reestablishing yeah. of all the operational and safety cultures. And so I went back into an ops role. Evolution, evolution of companies. It, yes. It happens everywhere. It, yeah. it, it does. And mm-hmm. so I went back into mm-hmm. an ops role, but as a former area risk manager, I went in knowing not only the importance of a safety culture that, you know, J.B. Hunt develops mm-hmm. in all of its employees, but hey, I've actually been on the other side of the line on the safety side. And so I'm going to start making decisions as an operator, like I'm still a risk manager and yeah. and I'm going to keep my risk manager from having to bother us. Not not bother us, but having to uh, and well bother us one, but uh, not having to worry about us. You know, I actually told the right. guy and and that took over my territory when I left to take this operations role. I said, "Hey, you you don't worry about m- me and this account. If you see that mm-hmm. I'm messing up, call me out on it, please. Mm-hmm. It's it's, you know, it's still your job, but I'm going to take care of this like I'm still an area risk manager and keep yeah. keep it off of your plate." And uh-huh. With, you know, uh, varying degrees of success, we were able to do that for the time that I was out there. And I mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be out there for quite a while. Um, I was prepared for that. Um, mm-hmm. And in late, 20, um, late 2017, uh, so I, I moved out there in, in uh, right around Thanksgiving of 2016. And in late 2017, um, the gentleman that had been my boss when I was an area risk manager, uh, he got promoted. Um, mm-hmm. so he went from the regional safety manager for our region and 
actually moved to a, another division as their safety director. And mm -hmm. once again, you know, region leadership came to me and said, hey, Andrew, would you, would you come back to safety and be our regional safety manager? And so I, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to, you know, I, I mm -hmm. interviewed and there were a couple of us that really wanted the role um, and yeah. were, uh, were kind of, you know, the, the guys that it's going to be one of you. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get it and I got to come back and now lead the team that I had been a part of. And so I've been in that role now since late 2017 um, mm. in charge of the risk management team for our, yeah. our little four state region. Right. And so did that feel like a big yes when that opportunity came your <laughs> it, way? Like, oh, yes. It, it, it did. In fact, I had, because uh, I still came to Dallas a lot um, mm -hmm. to visit friends. And, and one of the friends was the, at the time, the current regional safety manager and we were sitting on his back porch um after dinner you know just just catching like up like you and, do in texas yeah you know it's a it's a very texas thing to do you know you have mm -hmm. dinner and then then you go sit on the back porch because you know in the evenings it's it's quite it's pleasant beautiful. yeah yeah and and he was talking about well you know um something may come along in my career and i just offhandedly said oh well you know if you ever up and move and and vacate this role you know i know i know what i'm gonna put in and apply for and he mm -hmm. just kind of said oh well that's that's good to know. And then magically, you know, a couple of weeks later, he's promoted and they're coming around to me going, Hey, would you like to interview and, and be a part of this? Um, nice. And so I wanted to come back. Um, sure. and, and you had made a, you had made a home there. <laughs> yeah. And so I came back mm -hmm. and I, I have been in this role and it's, uh, we've had a, uh, uh, we've had a lot of change on the risk management team and I've got to do a lot of training with my area risk managers and bring new guys on and, and keep the culture going. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I still hold true to how my, my previous regional safety manager and the guy before him ran, uh, safety, but I do it in my own way. And it's, it's, it's really, we've continued to push as we've grown and had additional customers added that, yeah. um, it's, it's gotta be a cultural thing for us. And so I, I really tell my guys when they come on board that we are, we, we are sort of the vanguard of the culture. We, yeah. we, we, that's so true. Yes. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it's our job to teach the culture, to preach the culture, mm -hmm. to live the culture and to make sure it's, it's properly owned by the mm -hmm. operators. Um, mm -hmm. but it's not our job to micromanage. It's not our job unless we absolutely have to, to be what I call a compliance cop. I think we all know right. the safety guy that is a compliance cop and yeah, walks none of us wants that job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Walks around thumping the regulation book and, uh -huh. and, and it's not, it doesn't endear you to your people and it right. definitely doesn't make you effective. Um, yeah. everyone knows the regs. I, all of my operators know when their driver has to shut down. The thing a risk mm -hmm. manager has to do is make sure that the managers are teaching the drivers and holding the drivers accountable. Right. And mm -hmm. when we successfully do that, we're really successful, uh, as a region. And when we, mm -hmm. and when we stop holding people accountable and we get a little bit lax, then, then trouble, uh, creeps in. Right, right. So, Andrew, I'm curious to know, with the now years of experience that you've had and the training that's kind of behind you, um, you know, all of all of your career, starting back in hospitality to to today, what would you say are the three biggest things that you've learned? Yeah. So the three biggest things I've learned um, first is is expertise. Um, I always tell people that join my team, look, you're never going to be an expert the first time around but you must become an expert at uh, the things you are going to be expecting of your people. And so particularly, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll take specialized equipment, um, mm -hmm. things like forklifts, power pallet jacks, the Moffets, flatbeds, even our yard tractors. Um, 
Mm -hmm. I myself am trained and certified on all of them and have operated all of them uh, at one point or another in my career with J.B. Hunt. And I expect mm -hmm. all of my risk managers to do the same. Uh, in fact, just recently, uh, because we had a whole bunch of new risk managers join the team as I've promoted, as people have gotten promoted from the team and have moved on to other roles, um, mm -hmm. we did our yard tractor certification. And I got to take se several guys who had never even hauled a trailer behind a pickup truck and mm -hmm. teach them how to move 53-foot dry vans around a yard and do mm -hmm. uh, backing maneuvers. And um, I told them, hey, I'm going to get you started, but you have to become the expert. I, I told them, go mm -hmm. to your accounts that have this equipment. Wait for the down hour or the down 30 minutes and go get in the yard tractor. Make sure the operators know what you're doing, but go get in the yard tractor and practice. Mm -hmm. Because when next year comes around and you have to do the recertifications for all of your yard drivers, you need to be comfortable not only doing it, but teaching it. And the only way you can teach it is by knowing how to do it. Right. Um, and it buys you street cred with it, the people who are expected to do that work. It, it does. You know, there, I've got a, a funny story on street cred. I, uh, okay. Th this was back when I was an area risk manager in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in Oklahoma City. We had a group of accounts and we had some newer drivers struggling with their what we call close quarters maneuvering, generally backing, but really anything you do on a lot or in a, in a dock situation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went up and I set up this training course. It's, uh, it's, it's an old test, really, that drivers used to be given. It's called a serpentine. You basically have to move the, the truck and the trailer like a snake through a course and then park it in a spot. And mm -hmm. uh, it's set up very tight on purpose. Um, and you know, so anytime I do trainings like that, I've got a whistle that I, that I hold on to, And I tell the drivers, if you hear, hear the whistle stop, that means you have quote had a collision and we're going to look at where you're mm -hmm. at and, and, and review. And so I spent hours mm -hmm. out there just blowing the whistle constantly because the drivers <laughs> couldn't get it. And one of them finally hops out of the cab and goes, okay, safety, man, this isn't possible. You do it if you're so good. So, okay, I, I get the truck set up and it's a sleeper truck with a 53 foot trailer. So it's about 75 to 80 feet long. And, um, I get in and I, I get it in gear and I go back through the course and get it back into the spot, um, at the end of the course where it's supposed to be. And mm -hmm. I get out and, uh, I walk over and I call the drivers together and I pull out my wallet and I pull up my driver's license. And I say, I'd like you guys to tell me what's special about my driver's license compared to yours. And, they all look at it, and then one of them kind of hangs his head and goes, you don't even have a CDL. And, and, and I said, <laughs> yes, that's, that's the point. I don't have a CDL, and I'm mm -hmm. not a driver. I, the first thing I tell them is I'm not a driver. I'm a safety manager. I'm a risk manager. But I said, I, I don't mm -hmm. have a CDL, and I just took that truck through the course and put it into the spot. It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Who thinks they can do it? Mm -hmm. And one by one, they lined mm -hmm. up and walked up to the truck, got in the cab, and in one shot put it all the way through the course, each one of them, one right after the other. And I didn't have to touch my whistle again the rest of the day. Uh, you, you mentored your way through that one, or there was competition. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, you know, so I've, I've actually, I got to see, I was thinking about telling this story if, I, if, it, if it, yeah. it came up. I got to see one of the drivers who was in that course this past week. I was back up in Oklahoma City, and, uh, uh -huh. and I saw him, and I, and I shook his hand, and he's like, you know, it's been a while, but why do I remember you? And, and I said, well, do you remember the, the close quarters coast? He goes, oh yeah, you're, that's, that's where I've seen you before. Cause it's been a couple of years since I've been up in Oklahoma city uh -huh. as a risk manager. Um, and we got, we got to laughing and talking about it and he, you know, and, and it, it, it's that thing that, you know, the guys remember, they go, yeah, there was that risk manager didn't even have a CDL and could do this course. And that safety guy. Yeah. That safety guy. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. So street cred is incredibly important.
after expertise, the next big thing is is culture, and and it's really this is the biggest thing I've learned. Mm. And JB Hunt having a very strong and well developed mature safety culture kind of helped me learn this. But it safety is everyone's job, and that's not just a cliche yeah. that we say in the safety industry to make ourselves feel better about the fact that we're out there fighting this battle against <laughs> the world. But it's it really is. It it has to be the line mm-hmm. supervisors, the the line employees, the the next level managers, the the directors, all the way up to to the chief chief executive officer of the company, they've got to believe in yeah. it. If they don't believe in it, it's going to break down. Um, and it's the job of the safety manager then is to be, like I said, is to be the vanguard of the culture and to grow that culture. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, you can't, you can't uh, encourage safety culture if you yourself aren't really good at believing in it and, and abiding by it. Um, and it can't be a do as I say, not as I do. You know, you have to be that example. And so, uh, you know, I, I really work with my yeah. guys on presentation, on um, walking the walk as well as talking it, you know, talking the talking it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, so that means mm-hmm. things like, you know, we're Smith System instructors and we're a Smith System driving company. Well, that means, okay, guys, back upon arrival, park your car backwards in the spot when you get there because that's what we expect our people to do. Mm-hmm. And you can't be this teacher and this leader if you yourself don't believe in it and don't act on it. Um and then making sure that the culture doesn't lose focus of what's really important, you know. So, uh, it, particularly with how we handle safety events, uh, there's the the coaching, the training, the safety side, but there has to be behavior modification as well. We have to change behaviors, and that unfortunately mm-hmm. means sometimes discipline. And through my training, yeah. there's there's always this real sharp divide between safety and discipline and review and and discipline and and there's a lot of very good instruction that says the point of doing reviews and the point of doing investigations is not to discipline employees it's to figure out root causes and learnings and make sure it doesn't happen again and that is 100 percent true Mm -hmm. however Mm -hmm. there's there are those that Mm -hmm. don't take it the next step that goes okay and once you've done that if an employee's behavior needs modifying how do you modify it and how do you modify it in a way that's going to be effective and fair and and as an area risk manager and now as the regional safety manager we have to manage both sides you know the culture can't just be a nice yes, thing absolutely. to talk about it also has to be something with you know some real consequence to give it some weight and so mm-hmm. we try to avoid mm-hmm. you know bringing down a hammer and and and, and disciplining when we don't need to but unfortunately mm-hmm. there's some people whose behavior you have to modify and, and they only modify their behavior a certain way is when you make it uncomfortable for them not to modify their behavior. And so, right. I mean, it's the genius of knowing how adults you yeah, know, will react. 100%. Right. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a mentor to me who was not a safety person, um, but really deeply mentored lots of aspects of my career. Who's a industrial psychologist and he was we were doing some training um around safety together and then he was he was teaching me more than i was doing anything with him frankly because he was so genius and he had this thing that he taught me um stop start continue when you're having conversations with people that might be difficult and you know framing it and you could think about this with you know like kids even <laughs> you know how you want not how you want to change a, a behavior you know stop i need you to stop xyz mm-hmm. thing 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 i need you to start doing blah 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 or this way and i need you to continue you know really highlighting the things right. that are done well 
And, um, you know, it's, it's a way to present information to people that, you know, acknowledges what's right, but clearly, clearly using the word stop, you know, like this is the part. Yeah. That's not no, and, and that's an, that's an incredible way to think yeah. about the conversation. Cause it really is, you know, if I'm having that conversation with a driver, you know, I recognize you do, you know, a lot of things very well, uh, driver. I recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, you've got experience in the truck that I will never have, and you've got a good record. Um, mm -hmm. but I need you to yeah. stop doing this one thing. And then instead I need you to do it this way, uh, so that you can continue doing yeah. all the good things that you do. Um, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. a big part mm -hmm. of, of where I see my team's role now. And my role is to be the mentor to the operators who have to have those, you know, tough discussions on a daily basis and, and to teach them about, right. you know, Hey, this is how you need to address this. And if you need me to sit in with you, or sometimes I have to sit in with you, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to mm -hmm. approach it so that they, they can learn as well. Cause the, the best thing mm -hmm. as a risk manager is that your people manage safety and you get to be the one who has the oversight and then gets to work on the special projects and the, and the really challenging things. Yeah. If, if you're stuck in the weeds, managing the day-to-day -day tactics of safety when now everyone's every industry is different but in my industry and, and how we work if my guys were doing the day-to-day -day, every little you know uh detail of safety we'd never get anywhere the, the whole thing would stop working right um uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you'd just be in right. firefighting you can't be. all the time you, you, you can't build anything right. to last so 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 the culture yeah. is is the most important you can have everything else in the book you can have all the posters and the training and the PPE and, and the everything else and the most advanced safety knowledge. And if there's no culture, it's all for naught. Um, and, and so mm -hmm. having, having that really well-defined culture is what's truly the most important thing I've learned, but the most important part of, of being a good, a good risk manager is a safety manager is being able to be that, uh, that culture champion. Um, and then yeah. along with that, the, the, the third, my third Your thing, third thing, um, mm -hmm is the importance mm -hmm. of embracing the new. And by new, I typically mean technology mm. and, and approaches. You know, there's a, there's mm -hmm. a lot of, and I've, I've talked with other safety pros in my industry and in others, there is a lot of, well, we've always done it this way and it's always kept us safe. So we need to continue. And to some degree, that's probably a good idea. You know, we, we've always some worn hard hats on this job site and we've mm -hmm. always kept our people safe. You know what? You're right. Let's continue wearing <laughs> hard hats on this job site. Um, <laughs> right. But then there's things like technology and how can technology be our friend and be our supporter? Um, you know, we use uh, mm -hmm. a couple of technologies, uh, collision mitigation, um, forward radars hmm. on the trucks. Uh, it's yeah. My safety director likes to say, if, if you jump into one of the new Freightliners, it is the exact same suite of safety tech that you get on an S-Class Mercedes um, because it's made by the exact same person, Daimler. Mm -hmm. Daimler makes mm -hmm. own, is the parent of both companies and makes the same tech. And, you know, so there's some really cool advances in truck safety tech. Mm -hmm. And that also includes the deployment of forward-facing, not driver-facing, but forward-facing cameras. And the way that the camera and the radar can make a safe driver better because every, every one of us mm -hmm. gets what we call transiently inattentive. You know, you're going down the road and, Oh, that's a yeah. nice cloud. Um, and it happens to the best uh -huh. of us. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh -huh. That's how the human mind works. But having this technology mm -hmm. that can say, Oh, we're coming up on that car a little too quickly and I'm going to slow your speed down to increase your following distance or you're in cruise control mm -hmm. and I'm going to make sure you don't get any closer than 
however many seconds from the vehicle in front of you, mm-hmm. it makes mm-hmm. drivers better. And it helps us keep these behemoths that we call tractor trailers upright in their lane and going from point to point, not getting involved in, in collisions mm-hmm. or incidents. Um, go ahead. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite piece of technology um, that you think specific to our practice? Uh, maybe that you or your um, safety manager. So use? my favorite one right now is as far as on the truck is the safety direct and other associated uh, camera systems that look forward um, mm-hmm. because it nothing helps a driver understand what you're talking about more than being able to show them a video of the incident or the event. Um, and then in addition to that, nothing protects your driver better when he's doing everything right than having that video and being able to turn over to our claims and, and the legal teams and say, hey, here's the video of what happened. The other party is accusing us of X, Y, or Z, and the video very clearly shows that we didn't do X, Y, or Z. In fact, we did everything the right way, and, and they're the at-fault party. Um, and being able to show drivers that, hey, if we didn't have this video, it's word on word, and 90% of the time, guess who's losing? Because of you know the cultural mm-hmm. perception these days of all the you know, ambulance chasing lawyers that get on television and say, have you been hurt in the truck wreck? <laughs> um, and it creates this false perception yeah. about, you know, about the trucking industry uh-huh. and being dangerous mm-hmm. when really the majority and, and the statistics back yep. it up, the majority of the collisions are caused by, you know, your personal vehicle mode operator not operating safely sure. around us. Um, and having that yeah. video to be able to back a driver up and to be able to get a driver off the hook and say, hey, no, you did everything right mm-hmm. and we've got your back and here's the video proof. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a really cool piece of technology and it's moving forward. Um, and I can talk about this because we've publicly already stated our partnership. The next step is actually replacing the mirrors with cameras. Um, and, and we, mm. we've publicly supported, um, a company called Stone Ridge that is doing this. They call it mirror. Eye. the FMCSA just approved earlier this year, approved it for on-road testing. Um, and so We've been testing it with mirrors still installed, and now we're going to get to start pulling the mirrors off the truck, opening up the driver's space, visual space around the truck, and giving him yeah. uh, a near infallible view of the sides. I say near it of the side. I was just going to say. I say near infallible wow. because I've I've actually been in the truck, and it mm-hmm. has such a wide angle that um, we we had we had the truck parked and we were sitting in it, and uh, we had. Uh, one of the the people who was there had had his uh, daughter with him and she was a you know seven or eight year old small kid and she walked around the edge of the truck trying to hide from us and outside of being directly behind the license plate you know we could see her through the camera system uh in almost any point uh, on the truck and that sort of visibility not only is it not only is it going to help the driver but it's going to help the general public because drivers are now going to be able to see the mistakes that car drivers make Mm -hmm that normally we couldn't see because mm-hmm. it's this big bulky piece of equipment that it's really hard to see around. And it's going it, to, it's going to be the next right. wave forward. I think anyway, this is the world according <laughs> to Andrew. I think it's going to be the next big wave forward in <laughs> trucking safety is, is taking those mirrors off and replacing them with these systems. Um, that is fascinating. Yeah, and I'm super excited about that. So, I mean, the, the biggest, the big things, like I said, culture, got to have a good culture. You've got to have expertise. If you're a safety guy who thinks safety can be done from behind the desk or behind the clipboard, please do all of us a favor and go get hands on uh, because we, 
Mm-hmm. You have to have that hands-on mm-hmm. expertise and then embrace the new. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't fight the new because new is never going to stop and technology is going to keep changing and it's going to keep making us better. And those of us that rely on it, um, you know, are, are, are going to be better in the long run. Um, you know, I, I've, I've complained for years that baseball is being ruined by analytics, but safety is not being ruined by <laughs> analytics. It's, it's that sort Definitely of stuff makes not. us better. And, and being with a company that mm. has bought into that and believes it and wants to promote it is, is one of the best things about being in safety with, with my current role is that I know it's not me against everyone. I know it's all of us together in the mission of keeping together. our drivers mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful story. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing really an uplifting story about safety. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it today. And, you know, to love what you do and feel that it matters, what could be more fun, right? right? <laughs> That's a quote that I've st- stolen from uh, uh, Washington Post editor Catherine Graham, and I just love that one, and I think about that often with our work. So thank you for sharing your, your love of the practice, your excitement around it, and um, pretty exciting to hear about new technology. Yeah, thank you for well. having me on. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks so much. And thank you all for joining today and listening. And thank you for the work that you all do to make sure that your workers make it home safe every day, including your temporary workers. You can listen to all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com or subscribe in the podcast player of your choosing. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.